Good morning, everyone. It is two minutes past 12, according to the church clock, so we're already an hour and a half behind. So if you'd like to take your seats. I was hoping more people would arrive. Or it is the summertime, though, so I guess we'll just get going. So you're very welcome this morning, especially if you're visiting with us. I've spotted a few faces already that I'm not uh, so familiar with, so thank you for joining us this morning. Um, if you are visiting and you have young children, uh, there is a creche available just through here, and we'll also have a Sunday school as well, where the children will be going out a little bit later. Uh, my name is Andrew, and uh, if you sound a little bit like me this morning, you might be a little under the weather, or you might have just been to Summer Soul. So there's a lot of people here, and probably a few more to join us, whose alarms might have just gone off, uh, who were at Summer Soul this week. And our theme there was strengthened and encouraged, with a large side helping of tired and emotional. So we will be looking a little bit of that later, hearing a little bit from them. So if you were at Summer Soul, I am warning you now that after the announcements, you're all coming up here with me, and please prepare just one line or one word um, of how you were maybe strengthened or encouraged or what you enjoyed. It'll be quick and painless, I promise you, but it'll be a good way of uh, sharing what the, week, what the week was like for you and encouraging the rest of us. We're also gonna be learning a new song, which was our theme song at Summer Soul called On That Day. So um, I was gonna say we'll help you learn that new song, but uh, it's quite high, I'm warning you now, gentlemen. So, uh, don't start too low. Uh, I'm not sure I'll be able to hit those notes this morning, but anyway. Uh, Ed will also be speaking to us this morning from Genesis 16, Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, and that story there. So as we just uh, settle ourselves in our seats and um, maybe just think how our week was, no matter where you were, let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us here this morning to worship you together. We pray that your spirit would be working in us to strengthen and encourage us this morning. And as we hear from your word this morning and the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, we pray that you would help us to remember that your plans are right for us. We pray that you would give us patience to do things in your time and not in our own. We just pray for Ed as he's speaking this morning, Father, that you would give him the energy and strength and voice to do so. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna stand and sing now. Our first, our first song is Come Thou Font of Every Blessing. So if you'd like to stand and sing, thank you.
Thank you. If you'd like to take your seats. I'm just going to have the announcements now. And just as we do that, we're just going to take up the offering. So the stewards will come. If you've come prepared to give, then please do. This is just for regulars here to Grosvenor. Uh, if you're visiting with us, then please don't feel any, any need to give to that. That money goes towards the work in the church um, and supporting the different ministries that we do and even keeping the lights on and things like that. Uh, this evening's service at 6.30pm, uh, Philip Tuckleby is going to be speaking. Um, so please come and support him and hear from the Gospel of Luke if you're available. Philip is the man who's now looking for your money. <laughs> so support him financially and in, with your presence this evening. Um, just on that note as well, uh, we had our gift day back in May and that's just one time a year where we ask people to just um, think and consider if there's any way that they can give a little bit extra just for some projects in the church. Um, I would like to say that we, um, you, we together, uh, brought in over 15,000 euro and that's really important in helping uh, with the ministry here. Just takes a bit of the pressure off. So um, sorry to the young people who were out when I announced this, you didn't get the warning you were going to get or supposed to get. Um, but I'm just going to ask everyone who was at Summer Soul to come up here with me now. Um, don't worry, you don't have to do too much. It's not fair, I know. Life's not fair, Grace. Just... Um, so if you just come up and stand next to me, if you're a leader, if you're a teen, if you're on task force, um, just come and join me. Have a look at all these very tired, but hopefully spiritually refreshed people. Um, so I'm just going to ask each of you Again, sorry for the surprise. Just to say um, maybe just one sentence or one word, if a sentence is too much to put together this morning, um, just about what you enjoyed about Summer Soul or maybe how you were strengthened or encouraged, which was our theme. Lily, we'll start with you. Um, I know tea is your answer um, already, but maybe not that one. So if you just want to come up here, I'm going to get out of the way and just share one sentence or one word of how Summer Soul, um, what it meant to you. Thank you. Well, I was really encouraged by a lot of the teens. They just, yeah, they were really like, yeah, asking lots of questions and learning lots about God's word. So yeah, just knowing how they're growing spiritually really encouraged me. Um, I was encouraged by the kids being so curious and bold about their faith. Um, I was really encouraged um, about how much it felt like a family community after the week. I was encouraged by how well they got on with each other and with the leaders. So I was, was really encouraged by teens, unsurprisingly, um, but I was also really encouraged by the leaders. There are a lot of leaders who it was their first time leading at Summer Soul or any, any teen camp, and um, they just did a brilliant job serving wholeheartedly uh, for God no matter what, even if they weren't quite sure what they were meant to be doing. They just said, yes, I'll do it, and they went for it. Well, it was my first summer soul, but um, I was really encouraged by it all. Um, strengthened and encouraged was our theme for the week, and I definitely came out strengthened and encouraged through it all. So we were learning from the book of 1 Thessalonians, and one of the big themes was getting ready for the glorious return of the Lord Jesus, because he is going to come back. And one of the things that encouraged me was that as his people were being sanctified, that means that we're being made more like Jesus, each day until he returns. And I think that is awesome.
making new friends. Um, I enjoyed singing songs and bringing praise to God. Uh, I was encouraged by all my friends around me. Um, I was encouraged by thinking about when Jesus comes back and the hope that we have. And, and while we were thinking about that in one of the meetings, I was also messaging one of you um, about one of your loved ones whose health was failing. It's just a joy to know we have hope. I was encouraged when I asked someone what they were encouraged by. And they said, um, the leaders are just really real about being a Christian. They don't pretend it's all perfect. And that was just really encouraging. Really encouraged, similar to what Emma said, by a massive team of willing volunteers who love Jesus and willing to serve teens with that. So the support of the churches who send teens and support them, but then the team who just do all of the things that are in the heads of us on the committee, and we just say it and it happens because people are so willing. So hugely encouraged by that. And um, thank you so much. Um, if everyone wants to grab a seat, thank you so much for coming and sharing that with us. Um, I was hugely encouraged being there by all of these people um, and the other teams and leaders who aren't here this morning too. Um, and yeah, just generally getting the vibe that uh, the future church is looking good. So we can all be encouraged by that. And on that, that note, I'm going to pray. So let's just um, bow our heads and be praying along together. Our missionaries that we are remembering today are the Kennys down in Cork and also the Joneses who are still in Manchester uh, but going forward into a new ministry. So let's just pray for those things. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for your strength and encouragement through your word and through your church. We just remember the Kennys, Father, down in the church in Cork, and we just pray for the many encouragements they've had in their first nine months there. And we pray just as they are going on their holidays now, uh, that they would be refreshed and be able to come back to that church and continue to be supported by their church family. Just think of the Jones as well, Adam and Debbie, and again, just refreshment and rest over the summer as they look ahead to Adam's new work with IFES. We just pray uh, that that would be a strong start in this new role, and we just pray that uh, the funding to support him in that would be provided. And Father, we just thank you for uh, Summer Soul and for our teams and for the whole team that's involved there. And we just thank you for the great way in which you worked throughout the week, Father. Um, and just a reminder that you were there with us, strengthening and encouraging us all of the way. And we thank you for those who organized camps and clubs throughout the summer for our children, for our teens. We thank you for the time that they give up throughout the year in preparation of that um, and all of the uh, work that goes into that. We thank you for the really strong engagement uh, from the teens throughout the week. We thank you for the excellent content, uh, the really gifted speakers that you brought together. And we thank you for all the chats and the fun and the amazing food that we enjoyed many times throughout the day. Uh, we thank you, Father, that 
you sent your son as an example for us um, and as the church in Thessalonica was imitating Paul he was imitating you and we can imitate all of these examples father especially your son Jesus and we thank you for him and we pray in his name looking forward to your kingdom coming amen uh, we have two songs and um, the first one is Lord you have my heart which we have been singing for a long time and probably all know so that will get you confidently singing before we start our new song uh, which you might know if you clicked on the link from the mail during the week it's called on that day um, and that was the theme song for the week and Miriam and uh, the rest of the campers and leaders will be helping uh, lead in that so if you'd like to stand to sing we'll sing our first song and then uh, I'll let Miriam guide us in how we're going to sing uh, the new song thanks Not sure about it, these guys are going to belt it out, and even these tired summer soldiers are going to belt it out from their seats. 
Um, so we're not going to sing it on our own, but you are going to lead them in singing. It's a brilliant song that just reminds us of who we believe in, what we know is certain about the future, and I hope that it will be an encouragement to you as you learn it and as you join in. So uh, do stand as the music starts.
Well done. Thank you, team. Thank you, and take your seats. You did very well, considering we had to guess some of the words. Um, thankfully, some of us kind of knew them. Um, so, next we are going to have our reading from Valerie. So, just maybe in tea or coffee um, afterwards today, um, just maybe take a moment to speak to the teens and ask them about their week. And teens, maybe just take the time to ask the people who weren't there how their week was, because now we're back to just normal weeks. Um, and it's not as easy to be as strengthened and encouraged when you're not surrounded by uh, your friends um, and then maybe your leaders as well. So you can ask them for tips on how they get through their week. Thankfully, Valerie's awake and I'm not, and the children will be going to Sunday Club now. Um, there's, you can go now, children. <laughs> there's a Sunday, uh, summer, uh, Sunday Summer Club theme uh, that they're going through. Um, the Bible and just asking a few different questions and kind of introduction to different areas and that's what they're going to be looking at throughout the summer and this morning I think is from Exodus so if you know the story of the burning bush you can ask them about that later as well thank you Valerie so the reading is Genesis chapter 16 which is very conveniently on page 16 in the Red Bibles so, um, Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant, perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai entreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I am running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the, Lord, the, the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, she said. I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had borne. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. 
Thank you, Valerie, so much. Uh, please do keep your Bibles open. So Genesis uh, chapter 16. Uh, if you're new or visiting amongst us, can I also welcome you? Lovely to have you here. Um, do make yourself known to me afterwards um, over tea and coffee. It would be lovely to get to know you a little. I'm going to ask for the Lord's help as we come to look at his word. We've just heard God speak as we've heard his word read. We'll, we'll hear him speak as we look at this uh, text over the next little while. So let's prepare our hearts. Let me lead us. Almighty God, you're the maker of all, the creator of all, the one who made us, who knows us. Lord, we need you. We need you more than we realize most of the time. We pray that you would help us to hear your voice to us this morning. Lord, for those of us who are half-hearted or lazy or lukewarm, would you warn us, challenge us? For those of us who are, are feeling timid or doubting, would you encourage us, strengthen us? Lord, for those of us who are just feeling so weak, would you help us to know your greatness and your power? We pray that you will be at work in us for your glory as we hear your word now. Amen. May 1940. My grandfather, Ivan Neal, found himself a very long way from where he was born in County Tipperary. Um, at this point, he was over in Europe. It was World War II. Um, he had, uh, for a little while, been a, a pastor, a chaplain in the army. And May 1940, he found himself with his fellow folk from the army in Dunkirk, surrounded by the enemy. Now, he had recently, not, or not that long previously, married my grandmother, uh, Pat, who was over in England at the time. And as she was in England, she could hear the battle in Dunkirk across the water. She could hear the bombs falling. And the evacuation started May 26th. And the troops started to return. And she waited to see if my grandfather was going to arrive back. She wondered, would she ever see him again? Day one, no word of him, no sign. Day two, day three, day four. By then, 40 to, 50 to 60,000 troops were arriving back each day. Still no sign. Day five, no sign. I, I can only imagine what it must have been like for her as she waited and prayed and just felt utterly powerless. There was just nothing that she was able to do, not, no plan that she could concoct to sort this situation out. What happened? Well, I'm going to tell you later. Um, the fact that I'm here today might be a little bit of a clue. Do you know that experience of waiting and longing? Maybe for 
a person, maybe not for a person, maybe for, for something, some event, some change in your life. And for you, it's not just days, it's been months, it's maybe been years, maybe it's been your whole life. And maybe you've wondered, does God even see me? Does He know what I'm going through? It just seems to make no sense. Will this ever end? Well, those kind of thoughts and questions are where we find Sarai in this passage in Genesis 16. Her name gets changed to Sarah and Abraham to Abraham later, so I'll be slipping in and out of the different names as we go through. Um, but have a look, just verse 3, if you notice there, 10 years have passed since God made those promises to Abraham that he would solve the world's problems through Abraham's offspring that Abraham would have a child. But, verse 1, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. Ten years. That, that wait for Sarah must have been devastating. Devastating personally and psychologically. In, in, in that world, a woman's worth was hugely dependent on if she could build a family. And no children meant that she felt worthless. Devastating theologically. Because God had promised that he would bless the whole world and it would be through a biological child of Abraham and yet no children. I wonder what Sarah was thinking. Was she thinking, God, what are you doing? You've promised this possibility, but it's a human impossibility. It just makes no sense. And then you can imagine her saying, God, do you see me? Do you know what's going on, what I'm going through? And then she realizes, oh, maybe I'm not powerless. Maybe there is something I can do. If God won't build, well, I can build. I'm going to give you two phrases as we go through the, the talk this morning to sort of hang our thoughts on. Here's the first one, which is really what Sarah's saying. I can build because I can't wait. Look back to verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant called Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord's kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, we read this, and it just sounds horrendous, doesn't it? It's sort of like sex, sex trafficking, but happening right inside Abraham's family. And we're going to see this is sinful, it's got serious consequences, but it's probably helpful for us to realize that back then, this wasn't an unusual practice. That if the, the head female of a, of a family, the matriarch, Sarah in this case, had no children, well, she could give the male head, the patriarch, a servant as a sort of second-level wife. And any children that came from this second wife could be treated as if 
they're hers. It was sort of their version of surrogacy, if you like. And it is possible that even Hagar would have seen this as an opportunity to get an increase in status. She may have even been willing to go along with it. Sarah, desperately waiting, leads to desperate measures. And so she looks at the world around her and she sees, well, this is what they got up to. This seems sensible. This seems to make more sense than God's plan. If he's not able to build this family, I will. And we think, how could she do something like this? And yet, are you never tempted like Sarah, that you want something so bad that waiting to do it God's way, well, it's too hard. It doesn't make any sense. And you think, I can get this. I can achieve this. I can build this. Especially when we look around at others in society and we see, well, they're doing it this way. It's got to be okay. It might be the smallest thing. A parking place without having to pay. Having a laugh with some friends without worrying about the fact it's gossip. It could be a big thing. We want a career. And it's easier to build it if we lie about our qualifications and experiences. Sure, everybody else does it. Or we want to be popular. And the best way to to build our reputation is to stop associating with those old friends. They're sort of holding us back. Or we want a child. And we will build our family in any way possible without thinking about the ethics. Whether it's Sarah or us, at the heart of what is going on there is that we don't believe God. We, we don't believe that salvation and life is by grace alone. We, we think we know better. We can do better. We, we don't have to wait. It would be quicker if I just built. Well, I wonder as you were reading through this, halfway through, did you wonder, will, will Abraham go for this? Surely not. Have a look. So halfway through verse 2. Abraham agreed to do what Sarai said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. What was Abraham thinking? Did he think, oh, this does make sense. I'm fertile. Hagar's young. And so he goes ahead, well, it certainly defies God's design for marriage in Genesis 2. Do you know, actually in the Bible, sometimes right and wrong is sort of spelled out. This, you mustn't do this, you must do this. Other times in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, in these narrative history passages, it's played out rather than spelled out. And actually, everywhere where there is polygamy or unfaithfulness in the Bible, it leads to disaster, dysfunction, heartache, fights, pain. 
in Genesis 16, we're going to see the consequences. But actually, even before that, um, there's clues in the way that uh, it's written here that this is not good. I'm going to give you the clues. I want you to, to tell me what this reminds you of, okay? So I'm going to ask for an answer from you. Um, what does this remind you of? So end of verse 2 could literally be translated, instead of Abraham agreed, it could be Abraham listened. The man listened to his wife. And then verse 3, Sarai took and gave to her husband. Listened, took, gave. Remind you of anything? Someone want to shout it out? Garden of Eden. Genesis 3. This is classic sin all over again. And the consequences are played out, verses 4 and 5. So halfway through verse 4, well, from 4, he slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your hands And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. It's likely, actually, that Hagar also thinks having children leads to her worth. She's delighted, and she despises Baron Sarai. Sarai? Well, she is bitter. Now, we might want to go, but this was your idea. I mean, how can you be upset about this? This is your suggestion. But actually, it's understandable because what she's saying to Abraham is, look what I am willing to do, what I was willing to do for you, for God, for you, Abraham, for our family. And look what I got as a result. I deserve better than this. Do you know, every time we do something because we think we're helping God out or that we can build, it can lead us to being entitled, lead us to being bitter if we don't get back from God what we thought we should. Uh, Maybe you're angry at God or others at the moment. Maybe this is why. What about Abraham? Well, he's just a wimp, isn't he? Verse 6, this is your problem. Your servant is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai ill-treated Hagar, so she fled from her. The results, the first marriage at breaking point, an abandoned pregnant woman on the run. They thought they knew, I can build, we can build. They wouldn't wait. They wouldn't trust God. Um, you've been hearing that we spent uh, the last week uh, at Summer Soul, this camp for, for teenagers. And uh, it is located in a, in a boarding school in Westmeath. And w- the leader's room, where we sort of hung out and ate cakes and drank coffee and made it look like we were planning things, um, the leader's room had up on the wall uh, sort of motivational posters. And Let me give you a few of these. Believe you can, and you are halfway there. Stay positive, work hard, and make it happen. This this one's my favorite. Never, never, 
ever give up. Well, there's a lot of sports that goes on at Somersault, and so I tried to have a go at implementing some of these in some of the sports games. There's a, there's a big, massive game that happens on the pitches. There's bases and teams, and you've got to steal treasure and sort of run back to your base with this treasure. So I tried to make it happen and never, ever give up. By the end, I was in absolute pieces. Both, all my muscles in my legs had seized up. I was getting sort of stretches from teenagers to get the cramp out, and I'm still limping. Um, I wasn't able to make it happen. We're told we don't need God. We can build. Let Genesis 16 remind us that is the way to disaster, not the way to our dreams. What, what hope is there? What hope is there here for Hagar? Well, here's the second phrase for us. God can build, so I can wait. Um, I was chatting to a, a young uh, single lady. She, uh, she was in church over Christmas. She grew up in Grosvenor, so was back visiting. And um, she loves Jesus and is a bit of a joker. And uh, I said, oh, how are you? And she said, did you hear the news, Ed? And I went, no, 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 what news? And she said, I'm expecting now, my brain is a little slow sometimes, and I was going, expecting what? What's she expecting? Um, and actually, by the time I sort of worked out what she was saying, um, she'd actually sort of given up waiting for a response, said, I'm only joking, I'm only joking. Um, but I, I wonder what your response would be in that situation. Historically in Ireland, our reaction to unplanned pregnancy and single mothers has been appalling reprehensible. And some actually now look at that and they say, well, this is because of Christianity. That's typical Christianity. It's not the Christianity we find in the Bible. Look at God's reaction to this soon-to-be single mother who is now on the run. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that's beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? The Lord, through the angel, finds her and asks her how she is. In fact, he uses her name. I don't know if you noticed this. Sarai doesn't use her name. She says, my maidservant. Abraham doesn't use her name. He says, your servant. God uses her name, Hagar. How is she? Homeless. Helpless. Verse 8, halfway through. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Well, the Lord's response, then verse 9, then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I'll do, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. We hear the first bit of this and we, we go, what is God doing? It sounds like he's telling her to return to an abusive situation. Can I just take, take a moment to say 
That is not what is going on here. And if you are in an abusive situation, you need to get out and you need to get help. And we've had to help people before in these situations. Please do not suffer alone. Please come and ask for help and let us help you. This is a specific command here in a specific situation. It's possibly because if Abraham takes responsibility, and then by verse 15, it looks like he has, in that society, then Hagar is provided with provision on her child. But, but I guess the general principle for us is that God knows best, and we should always go with what he says, even if in the moment, like Hagar was probably thinking, this makes no sense. And then God gives her this amazing promise in verse 10. Let me read it to you again. Um, Another question for you, another memory question. What does this remind you of? Verse 10, the angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they'll be too numerous to count. What does that remind you of? Anyone want to shout it out? Promise to Abraham. Aren't these the promises we've been listening to in the past few chapters from God to Abraham? Well, Sarai has said, I can build, make these promises happen. She can't. God says to Hagar, I'm going to build you a family. And he can. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now a child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael. If you look to the footnotes, which means God hears. You you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he'll live in hostility towards all his brothers. So this isn't all going to be straightforward. Um, he's going to be a wild lad. He's not going to get on with his brothers. And yet, is, is there any surprise? Because as he's growing up, he knows he's the unwanted son from the second wife. As Isaac arrives, he's aware which is the favorite child. But despite that, for Hagar, her meeting with God here changes everything for her. You see, before, no one saw her, just an Egyptian servant, a tool to be used, worthless and thrown out. And now, well, verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Hagar, here in the wilderness, on the run, meets with God and she finds the Lord who hears, who's heard the cry of her heart. The Lord who sees her, really, a real person in real need. And actually, probably for the first time here, Hagar feels her true worth. What gives you your self-worth? Is it measured by the right body or a a good career or or people's responses to you on social media or invites from your friends? Apart, anything apart from Jesus that gives us our worth is always going to leave us so insecure. 
for Hagar. Her worth now doesn't depend on whether she can build a family or not, whether she has status or not. It depends on God's love and care that she, the single mom, now outcast, always an outsider, a foreigner, is worth God's attention. That is enough for her. In fact, it is the best. Look at verse 13 again, because actually some Bible translations translate the end of verse 13 as a question, and I think it could be a better translation. For she said, have I now seen the one who sees me? It's just an expression of wide-eyed wonder and surprise that God would treat her like this. Does the living one, the all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful one, really see me? Is the God who sees. Do you ever feel like no one sees you? Do you feel worthless? You know, you're, you're no good at school, or you're not as funny and pretty as the others, or you haven't been promoted or as successful as you thought you might be, or you're not physically able anymore, or no one appreciates what you do. Actually, it could be that you feel like that and that has put you in a very dark place. Can I say if that is you, please do seek help. You might be surprised that actually there's a, a huge number of us who know exactly what that experience is like. And actually, there are people who want to help you. Do let us know if this is taking you to a very dark place. But also, for you and for all of us, realize this. God sees. He hears the cry of our hearts. And we too should wonder at this. And yet not be surprised. This is our Savior too, isn't it? There's a great moment where Jesus, he's walking into Jericho. And on the side of the road is a blind beggar. And the blind beggar is on the side of the road, crying out, shouting out, have mercy on me, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the people around the beggar are saying, would you ever shut up? Please be quiet. They don't want this guy to make all this noise. He's unwanted. They don't see him. But Jesus, he, he calls, he comes over to the beggar, and he unblinds his eyes. And the one who couldn't see can now see the one who sees him. And as the crowds watched Jesus do stuff like this, they cheered and they said, I think we could build something around him. I think we could build with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I, I'm not here to build a great empire. I'm here to die. And there's another moment where the disciples go, no way, that just makes no sense. It's because they can't see. They can't see that we can never build salvation and life ourselves. Only Jesus could. It, it's why? Because he's the one who sees sinners like you and me. Sees how, how we can't wait. How we won't trust him at times. How we think we know better. And the devastation our sin causes. He sees our desperate need. And he loved us. The proof that Hagar knew 
God was good and trustworthy is that she does what she's told to do. She returns to Abraham, even if it sounds crazy. She's willing to wait. I'm willing to watch God fulfill his promises. Will he come through? Well, look at verse 15. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. While verse 16, Abram and Sarai, they're still waiting. How about us? What are you waiting for? What are you longing for? Are we willing to wait for God's promises to come true? To trust that God knows best, that His ways are best? To wait for God to build, not us? To wait for Him to fulfill our longings? How long are we willing to wait? A year, 10 years, 50 years, until the next life? On day six, my grandmother, Pat, was still waiting. It was the 1st of June, 1940. Still waiting. And then a telegram arrived. A telegram sent from Dover, England. Her beloved Ivan had returned safe and sound. He was back. The waiting was over. He was alive and well. At times, waiting can be so hard. God's way seemed to make no sense, but for every follower of Jesus, one day, the waiting will be over, and we will be alive and well for all eternity. Let's just pause for a moment Take time to pray ourselves, and then I'm going to lead us in prayer. Almighty God, our Father, we confess before you that we struggle to wait. We struggle to trust at times that your ways are best. We struggle at times to believe that your promises really will come true. And yet we praise you that you are the God who sees us. You see the reality of our hearts. And you love us all the same. And we pray that as we see your grace to us, as we see the way you see us and love us, that that would encourage us to keep turning back to you for help to wait and trust and know you and wait for your promises to come true in your timing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to share the Lord's Supper together now. Um, It's going to take us a moment just to prepare. If you're up in the balcony and you want to take part, can you join us down below? And we'll do that shortly.
This simple meal was given to us by the Lord Jesus for us as his family to remember his love for us and what he did for us to rescue us. So this is really for those who belong to Jesus' family, those who know Jesus personally, those who realize that it's only by trusting in Jesus that we can get salvation and life. We, we can't build this ourselves. We cannot do this ourselves. So this is for you if you are trusting in Jesus alone, by faith alone. Then you don't even think that eating and drinking this is going to make you right with God. It won't. It is by faith alone in Jesus alone. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ alone, you're striving to live with him as your Lord and Savior, and you're in good fellowship with others in the Christian family, then please do take part. If that isn't you, please don't take part. Just let uh, the trays pass you by. As I said, it, it's a meal that God gives to his family, so we're just going to take a moment to pray for some of those in our church family. Let me lead us. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who makes great and precious promises to us. Promises, some of which we know have been utterly fulfilled. The promise to send a rescuer, the promise to forgive sins, the promise to give us your Holy Spirit. But many promises we know are yet to be fulfilled. The promise of a world made new, the promise with, of a world with no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And our Father God, we know uh, many, and especially some in our church family, who know the reality of this sin-broken world of death and mourning and crying and pain. And so we cry out to you for them. We pray again for John and Jackie at this time that they would know your hand very close to them, would know the certainty of your promises. Father God, we pray for Scylla Stockel, and she continues to battle with that cancer, that she would know that in you there is hope. We pray for others feeling lonely or struggling with illness. We pray for Vivian, for Viarica, for Ruth. We pray for Isabel, Francis, Paul. And do take a moment to mention any others on your hearts before the Lord now. We know that in Jesus, all your promises are amen and are, have been, or will be fulfilled. And so in his name, we cry out to you for these people. And ask that they in time would know your promises fully fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If we think that God is worse than he is, we'll look at the cross, which this is a reminder of. The, the bread reminds us of Jesus' body given, the drink of his blood shed. If we think God is worse than he is, we'll look at the cross and it'll make no sense 
if we think God is a demanding God and that he wants us to do certain things before he loves us, then Jesus' dying for us will make no sense. If we think we are better than we really are, we'll look at the cross and it'll make no sense. If we think we're basically good, that we don't deserve to perish, that maybe we just need to try a little bit harder, that we don't need anyone to sacrifice themselves for us, then the cross will make no sense. But if we realize the truth, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot build salvation and life ourselves. Because as good as we think we are, we don't wait on God as we should. We don't trust him as we should. But this simple meal, as it points us back to the cross of Christ, it points us to the reality that God sees. Yes, he sees who we really are. He sees the depths of our hearts. He, he knows that sometimes we're trusting and praising, and other times we're half-hearted or even independent and ungrateful. Yes, he sees the reality of our hearts, but he also sees our need. He sees us as who we really are, individuals, and he loves us. You see, the cross makes perfect sense. If God so loved the world that he was willing to give, it makes perfect sense if the giving of his son, dying for us, is the only way to deal with sin and save sinners. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We're going to pass the bread out, please. Would you take a piece and hold on to it? We'll eat it all together as a sign that we are part of God's family together.
The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was portrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. If the Lord's Supper points us back to what God has given, it also points us forward to what God will give. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Please would you drink as you are served and put the glasses back into the holders.
What a joy to have a God who sees us, who knows us, who hears the cries of our hearts, who meets our deepest needs in the Lord Jesus. We're going to sing of the fact that it changes everything for us. It defines our worth. My worth is not in what I own. Yeah, can I invite the musicians up? My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I'll boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Would you stand as the musicians lead us and let's sing.
please do have a seat. What love and kindness from the Lord. What grace. We're going to finish by saying the words of the grace together. Um, If you want to look this up, you'll find it in the back cover of your Bible. So we're going to pray this prayer together for each other. 